Welcome to the Vu Church Podcast. The heart represents who we are to our core. It not only sustains physical life, but also holds what we care about most. And for God, we find his love of people at the core of who he is. Today, Michelle Molina continues our collection of talks. This is Vu. In today's message, the heart work. She's sharing three ways we can practically love people. Don't forget, Vu Cruz, they meet back up this week. Find community and sign up at vuchurch.com slash cruise. Now, let's lean into the message together. Well, like Pastor Rich said, about two weeks ago, we began a brand new collection of talks entitled, This is Vu. And really what we're doing is we're taking some time to break down our values as a church. And that's because we believe that values matter, right? What you value, it has a whole lot to say about who you are. And so from the onset of our launch as a church, we knew that we wanted to declare these seven core values over who we are going to be. Not because they're cool, not because they're catchy, but really because we believe that we're actually called to live them out. Not just on Sundays, not just when it's convenient, but really in our day-to-day lives. We believe that these values are the DNA of who we are. And just last week, Pastor Don she preached such a beautiful message on our very first value, that Jesus is our message. And see, we believe that this is at the foundation of who we are. This is at the foundation of every other value that is to come. We believe that it is a radical message, a countercultural message. We also believe that it is the only message that truly exists that can transform people from the inside out. It's because of the message of Jesus that you and I, we know where our hope comes from. See, it is the message of a lifetime. But today we're gonna be talking through our second value as a church, and that's that people are our heart. People are our heart. So why don't you turn to your neighbor, maybe your favorite neighbor and say, people are our heart. (laughs) Just kidding, We we love all our neighbors. So to set the stage for our conversation today, I want us to look at a scripture from the Gospel of John. John chapter 15 says this, My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. See, Jesus right here, he is instructing all of his followers to have a heart for people in the same way that he has a heart for people. He even goes as far as to say that the greatest form of love is to lay down our life for someone. And we know this to be true. We can take him at his word for this because this is exactly what he did for us. So today I want us to walk out of here really with just a better understanding of what it means when we say that people are our heart. And here's some language that we've put together to really help guide us through this value. See, our heart is for all people. All people are loved by Jesus. We make no apologies for being specifically focused on reaching those far away from God. We desire to bring the broken home at all costs. We believe that our light is best seen in the night. We love people because Jesus first loved us. So today, I wanna talk through what it means to do the heart work, the heart work. Come on, will you pray with me? 
Lord, right now, I thank you for this moment. I thank you for this opportunity. We invite you into this space, even though we already know that you are inhabiting this space, really with your presence, God. And I pray that whether we have a relationship with you or not today, God, that you would just reveal yourselves to us, that our hearts would be softened to you today, that our ears would be open to hearing what it is that you have to say to us, Lord. We pray that you would just have your way in this moment, that you would speak in and through me to the hearts of every single one of us who are in this room. We love you, we honor you, and it's in Jesus' mighty name that we say, amen. Oh, come on, all of, all of us, God's people say amen. So right now I wanna take another quick moment just to honor again all of the mothers in the room, but really all of the women who are in the room because whether you have children of your own or not, we know that you serve as a mother figure to someone. And so we celebrate this day because it's also for you. We recognize it's a special day for so many reasons, but we also recognize that it can serve as a difficult and a painful reminder for others, a reminder of loss, broken relationships, or dreams that have yet to come. But wherever you may find yourself on the journey, we just want you to know that you are loved and that we are standing with you. So come on, one last time, let's make some noise for all of the women who are in the room today, all of the women who are watching online, wherever you find yourself today. Now my husband Adrian and I, we have two beautiful boys. Our oldest, Maddox Monroe, he's three years old. Our youngest, Mason Monroe, is one and a half years old. And if you haven't figured it out by now, we do have a third on the way, but I am excited to share that it is a baby girl coming at the end of August. We know nothing about what it means to raise a girl, but we know it's gonna be quite the adventure. We can't wait to meet her. We obviously have a thing for M names. So if you have any suggestions, we are at a loss at this point. So please send them our way. Naturally, as I got to prepping my message for today, knowing that I would also be sharing on Mother's Day, I really got to thinking a whole lot about what my journey as a mom has looked like. And what I've recognized is that these last three years have been so very rewarding but it's also been really challenging. I mean, I found myself in so many different seasons, seasons of highs and seasons of lows, right? Seasons of doubt, discovery, exhaustion, a whole lot of comparison, seasons of reflecting, improving, correction and redirection. But maybe the best word that I can use to describe this journey is that it's been incredibly revealing because it's helped me to recognize that there are actually so many areas in my life that I really need some growth in. Areas like compassion, forgiveness, grace for myself, grace for others, like my children and my husband, hello. It's helped me to recognize that I, I truly want to love them even when I don't agree with them. I wanna love them despite the difficult days, the messy days, the not so Instagram worthy days. Essentially what I'm learning is how to have a, have a, how to, how to have a heart for my kids really at all times. And as I reflected on this value for today that people are heart, I had to ask myself an honest question. Do I have a heart for people? And is my heart for people at all times? 
The truth is that I want to have a heart for people in the same way I have a heart for my kids. I want to desire to love others in the way that I desire to love my kids. Because if Jesus is my message, then people have to be my heart. Why? Because people are Jesus's heart. All we have to do is just think back on his life, right? What did he have to say about loving people? What did he have to say about how to care for others? Who did he keep around him? Was he exclusive? Was he judgmental? Did he cast people out because they were unworthy, not religious enough, because they didn't believe what he believed, because they didn't look or sound the way that he did? No, the reality is that Jesus, he's the ultimate example of loving people. And aren't you and I the perfect example of his love? Because despite all of our flaws and despite all of the weaknesses that we have, he still chooses to have a heart for us. Now, if you think for just a second about that word heart and what it refers to, well, what we know it refers to is the central part of a person. The heart is the nature of a person. And to know someone's heart is to know their innermost character, their feelings. What is it that drives them to act? What is it that drives a person to love? The heart of God is the essence of who he is and what he desires, what his will is, what his purpose is for you and I. So if God's heart is for you and I in all of our brokenness, why wouldn't we be called to also have a heart for people? His heart breaks for people, all people, not just a select few, not just this elite group of people, but all people. And we can see this time and time again in the life of Jesus as we study him. Who did he roll with? What did his crew look like? He hung with the excommunicated, the tax collectors, the doubters, the naysayers, the fishermen with the potty mouth, right? The outcasts. So if I want to look like Jesus, that I should want to love people in the way that he loved people. But how many of you know, loving people in the way that Jesus loves people is hard. Like it's, it's really hard. And if you think about it for a second, I mean, how do you love people that you know you have absolutely nothing in common with? Better yet, how do you love someone who has turned their back on you? Someone who's abandoned you? Someone that you don't agree with? someone that you get annoyed by, someone that you don't see eye to eye with. It's not easy, it's difficult, it's hard work. But I wanna challenge us to see this as necessary work. I want us to shift our perspective from this being hard work to heart work. Because if people are heart, then we need to do the heart work. Better yet, we get to do the heart work. So you can hear that right now and you might say, you know what, that sounds fantastic, sign me up. I am up for the challenge, but what does that practically look like? How can I personally learn to have a heart for others? Well, I believe that the first step in doing the heart work means we gotta meet people. Why don't you say meet people? Now, if we took a poll right now to rate, what gets under your skin the most as a parent? How many of you would say that tantrums might be number one, if not at the top three of your list? Now, maybe you don't have toddlers right now, maybe they're teenagers, but at one point or another, you've experienced this, or maybe you've just seen toddlers, right? Out in public or with your friends and your families, you've seen this go down at one point or another. 
So it's definitely in my top three. And I believe that that's because of the Oscar-worthy drama that it comes with, right? The volume of which words rise to, the length of time that this takes place for, the frequency of which this happens, especially if we're talking about a toddler. It could even be the entertaining topic of conversation at the end of the day. I know Adrian and I so often find ourselves at the dinner table, like really replaying some of these moments in our mind. Like how did this even begin to take place? How did this go down? The wind could have blown in the wrong direction. We could have given the kid a green cup, not a blue cup. And I mean, he loses his ever loving mind. But I believe that there's actually a much bigger takeaway from some of these moments. There really is something that we can actually learn from this. Because when my son Maddox finds himself having a tantrum, what do you think it is that I actually want to do? Well, I wanna, I wanna eject myself, right? I want to ignore him. I wanna raise my voice at him. I wanna plug my ears, distance myself. I wanna create a barrier between he and I. Well, don't we so often think about people in the same way? And you know that you don't have to be three years old in order to have a tantrum of your own, if you know what I'm saying. I mean, we've, we've all probably seen grown adults, even in three-piece suits, having a tantrum. See, so often I think we even wanna distance ourselves from these grown adult tantrums we've seen. We find ways to eject ourselves for so many different reasons. Maybe it's because we don't agree with someone's political stance. Maybe it's because we don't agree with the way in which they're living their lives. Or we just don't agree with their opinion. We get annoyed by them. But you see, what I've learned time and time again, even with my own kids, is that when I try to do any of these things, it is not received well. It is not met with open arms. I'm not understood. So I have made the decision to take a different approach here. It means that sometimes I need to take a step back, look myself in the mirror and have some real self-talk. It means I need to do a heart check for myself because I, I say, you know, if I'm gonna have a heart for my kids, then I know that I need to do the heart work as a mom. So when I see that tantrum take place, what I've recognized is that what I actually need to do for my son is I need to go and I need to meet him. I need to actually meet him right where he is. I need to allow these really big feelings to exist. He's three years old. I don't expect him to understand what it means to process or manage all of the complexities in these layers of emotions that he is feeling. I mean, he's learning what it means to communicate his own needs. So it's my responsibility as his mom to be available, to be willing, to make sure that he feels seen and heard to help him process these emotions, how to communicate them, how to cope with them in a healthy way. And having a heart for people is really no different. Because if we're gonna do the heart work for people, then we need to meet people right where they are. It means that there needs to be a willingness to go out of our way. We need to make ourselves available to be present, make sure that people feel seen and heard.
It means being okay with stepping outside of that, that bubble that we can so often find ourselves in, getting uncomfortable. It means even stepping outside of the four walls of church to be the church. Because we know that church isn't about a building. It's not about these four walls that surround us, but rather church is about people. So if we're going to value people, if we're going to say that people are our heart, then we're going to meet them right where they are. Now, one of the most profound images of this value for me that I find in the Bible is the story of the Samaritan woman at the well. To give you a little backstory on her, she is a woman who had been demeaned, disregarded completely by her own people, really by society because of her past, her life's choices. She was a woman who was living in shame as an outcast. But Jesus, he went out of his way, he goes on a long journey through Samaria, intentionally knowing that he's going, that he's going to meet her. And we know that this also would have been taboo at the time because Jews did not associate with Samaritans, let alone a Samaritan woman, and on top of that, a woman with her kind of reputation. But Jesus, he knows all of this, and yet he still makes a decision to go and meet her. So he waits for her, he meets her, and when he meets her, he doesn't rebuke her, he doesn't impose his thoughts on her, but rather he addresses her right where she is, he knows all that she has done. He loves her in that moment, and he chooses to meet her anyway. It's a story of compassion. It's a story of love. And I believe that it reveals the true character of who Jesus is and who we are to be if we are going to embody this value that people are our heart. So what if we saw heart work as just that? really an opportunity for us to embrace people where they may find themselves on the journey in that moment. It means we got to embrace people where we encounter people. Heart work, it's not about imposing our beliefs on others. It's not about hijacking their thoughts, but rather it's about meeting them right where they are, going on the journey with them, just as Jesus met the Samaritan woman at the well. It means injecting our love into others ultimately knowing that we are guiding them towards this revelation of what God's plan is for their lives. So when it comes to those encounters that I have with my son Maddox, I've learned that if I meet him right where he is, well, what happens next is that it builds a sense of trust because I've captured his attention. He's built this confidence in me. But I know that it can't stop there because what might the next thing be that I need to recognize? Well, now I need to recognize that I have this beautiful responsibility to serve him. Yeah. It means as his mom, I get to build him up. I get to speak life into him. I get to redirect him. It means I get to recognize that there's power in my words. Yeah. Because I know that the moment he walks out of our door, the doors of our home, this world is most likely going to tear him apart. But if we can make it our mission, to teach him who he is, what God has to say about him, how brave he is, how generous he is, how we believe that we are called to love all people, then I know he's gonna walk out of the doors of our home more equipped. This same principle should apply in our approach to people, right? Because if we're gonna do the heart work to truly have a heart for all people, not just people in our proximity, but people in the city and beyond, then number one, 
We're gonna meet people, but two, we serve people. And what does it mean to serve people that we are trying to have a heart for? It means we're gonna build them up, we're gonna speak life into them, we're gonna speak into their purpose, speak into their future, speak into their potential. We're not gonna call out all the things that they're getting wrong on the journey. What does this look like in real life? It looks like having a preference for others over ourselves. Philippians 2, verse three through four says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. See, Paul, he's telling us that true service is to prefer others over ourselves, to do nothing for our own gain, to consider the needs and the interests of others. So as we meet people and as we bring people into our lives, are we just considering how they might be, bring value to us or how we can bring value to them? Are we seeking something from them or are we actually seeking to serve them? 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11 says, Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you are doing. Now, previously to having our boys, I spent about seven years in the classroom as a teacher. And throughout much of this time, there were definitely moments that I had with students where they may have done things that I didn't agree with or didn't approve of. But what I learned is that my role in those moments was not to shame them. It was not to condemn them, but rather it was to serve them through my response to serve them by choosing to speak through a lens of compassion, patience, self-control, because I knew that that would give me the opportunity to leverage those moments, to redirect them, to build them up, to encourage them. And the Bible says that our words have the power of life or death, life or death. We can serve others when we speak words of love, hope, life, encouragement, especially into their struggles and into their situations. But at the same time, our words can be used to speak death, hate, to judge, to spread gossip, to criticize. What do your words say to others? What do your thoughts say about others? Are they building or are they belittling? You know, maybe we can take an inventory when we walk out of here today of really what our conversations look like around people. I mean, when, when we say what we have to say, are we really considering how we're saying it and what we're saying? Do you sound a little, do you sound different from the world or is it a lot more of the same? Do people leave a conversation with you thinking, you know what, I'm so thankful that I ran into her today because I was hanging by a thread today and I didn't know how I was going to be able to press on push on any further, but because she spoke life into me and because she encouraged me in my situation, I know that I have another day that I can live for. I know that there is hope at the end of the road. See, and if we're more vocal about how people are getting this whole following Jesus thing wrong, then aren't we just cultivating a space where people are gonna to continue to feel like outsiders? Wow. And I believe there's already so many spaces that exist in this world that people step into feeling 
like they're already unwelcomed, they're not valued, they are not loved, and they just don't belong. But serving others by building them up, by speaking life into them, into their purpose, into their situations, it's at the heart of what Jesus came to do. And you and I, we get to stand in the gap. We get to volunteer ourselves to bring relief to people. We get to make ourselves available. We get to be present for these people. It means we get to offer our hands and our feet. We get to help people carry the load, carry the burden. Galatians chapter six, verse two says, carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. Life can be so heavy, especially if we try to do any of it alone. It's hard work. So what a beautiful opportunity you and I have to actually do the hard work. So we can be people who are gonna be there to help carry others' weight. And I believe that at the heart of our church, we wanna be a community that recognizes the value in this. We recognize that Jesus, He did not come to be served, but rather He came to serve. And how did He serve? In His words and in His actions. What does serving do? It brings hope to people. And I believe that there are so many people in this world who are longing for a message of hope and they are searching in so many different areas of life, but nothing that they find is actually satisfying their soul. See, our ability to serve others, it reveals our heart for people. And it reveals the tangible expression of love that was shown to you and I. So having a heart for people means one, we meet them right where they are. Two, we serve people. But three, and lastly, we commit to people. Commit to people. Really quickly, I'm gonna go back to this illustration on tantrums. Cause again, I've learned that one, I need to meet Maddox right where he's at. And two, I have a responsibility to serve him. But as I walk away from that situation, I can't be naive to think that it's not gonna happen again. That this won't be the last tantrum, right? He's not gonna need me ever again. And just because this moment got resolved, it doesn't mean I stop having a heart for him. No, because the heart work continues. Why? Because I'm committed to going on the journey with him. I'm committed to the process. So having a heart for people means we commit to them. And what does that look like? That means whatever season we find ourselves in, we're gonna be committed to the people that God has placed around us. It means we're committed to our marriages. It means we're committed to our children. We're committed to our friends, our family, our coworkers, our employers, even if they're disgruntled or not. We're committed to them. Having a heart for people, although it's hard work, we gotta do the hard work. Because if we wanna have a heart for people in the way that God has a heart for people, it requires our commitment. And you see, not once has God's commitment towards us ever faltered. He is not fickle with His commitment for you and I. What I love about Him is that His commitment, it's never dependent upon our performance, our good deeds, our ability to get things right 100% of the time. Because even when we turn our back on Him, even when we ignore Him, his commitment, it remains unchanged. 
And I mean, nothing screams commitment more than the fact that he sent his one and only son to die on a very cruel cross so that you and I might live. That right there reveals his commitment to us. It reveals his heart for people, his heart for you and I, reveals his love for us, his commitment. So saying that people are heart, it isn't about being committed just when they're getting everything right on the faith journey. Because we're not always gonna get things right. We're not gonna get this perfect. But it's about being committed to others even when we know that they're laying flat on their back. Even when we know that they have nothing else to live for, when they have no one else who is left in their corner, we get to be that for people. Whether they're doubting, full of questions, that's what it means to be on the journey with others. See, Jesus, he's been committed to us and our journey from the start. So we get to be committed to others. We get to go the distance with them. How else is a broken and dying world going to encounter the transformational love of Jesus that so much of this world would suggest either doesn't exist or would point out that they don't belong and that they're not unwelcome and that they're not loved? Because if we are going to be moved by compassion for others, then it means we gotta firmly plant our feet in the ground to be committed to people, all people. And I believe that when we do that, we're aren't, we aren't gonna let a single moment pass us if it means that we get to put the love of Jesus on display. We need to develop a heart for people. We get to be committed to people. But if I can just pastor us all for a moment, I believe that this charge of being committed to people, it doesn't just stop there. Because if we're gonna be committed to people, we also have to be committed to God in the process. We can't have a heart for people without having a heart for God, without wanting to, to have this longing to seek Him. And as we seek Him, what happens is we learn more about His character. We learn more about His heart for people. He gives us a burden for people. He teaches us what it means to have compassion, patience for other, others, grace for others. He gives us more wisdom in those moments. The secret to growing a heart of compassion for others is time with God. Now, you know what this all boils down to is that loving people and having a heart for people, it is a mandate that we have been given. I'm gonna go back to John chapter 15. It's the first verse that we read together. It says, my command is this, my command. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. It's a command that has been laid out so clearly for you and I. It means we have this opportunity to look like Jesus, to respond like Jesus, to have a heart for all people in the way that Jesus did. And having a heart for people means recognizing that they shouldn't feel like they have to be good enough to belong. They shouldn't feel like they have to check off a box in order to be welcome. Because you see all too often, people, they have been hurt by other Christians. I believe people have been hurt by religion, feeling like they have to strive, feeling like their past disqualifies them, feel, feeling like their failures and their imperfections disqualify them. But we wanna be a church that breaks down these barriers that keep people from Jesus, that keep people from the message of Jesus. 
We don't wanna be the reason that people refrain from walking through the doors of church. And I pray that our church would be one where people would sense that we love people, all people. All people are welcomed in here because all were welcomed with Jesus. This is the message of Jesus. Come on, we can make some noise for Jesus. So no matter where you lie on the faith journey, no matter what your past may look like, our heart is for you. Jesus is for you. I can promise you this, there are a whole lot of people who are sitting in this room who have a lot to say about how undeserving they feel. They have a lot to say about how undeserving they are to be loved by God, myself included. Because you see to this world's standards, my past would suggest that I never should have walked into a church ever again. My past would suggest that I'm unworthy to be in the presence of God. Who am I to serve people? Who am I to lead in any capacity? Who am I to be raising children in a broken world? And I can allow those thoughts to circulate in my mind. I can allow that hamster wheel to go on and on and recognize it is a hamster wheel of lies because friends, that is not what God has to say about you or me. Seven years ago, I felt like maybe some of you who are sitting in this very room for the very first time. I didn't know what to expect when we were invited to attend a church gathering for a church that would be launching in the near future. We know that church to be this church now, Vu Church. And what's so cool to think back on is that Adrian and I, we weren't even engaged at the time. And I kid you not, we sat in our car for about 20 minutes contemplating on whether or not we were going to, to get down and walk into this thing. We didn't know what to expect. We didn't know what this was about. But for some reason, and we couldn't explain it, we just knew that we needed to be there. We knew that we needed to get down. And I didn't know that what I was going to walk into would actually change the trajectory of our lives. I also didn't know that it would be an encounter that would be very difficult for me to put into words for such a long time with my family and friends because it was countercultural to my upbringing. I didn't know how that was gonna be received and it terrified me. But what we knew is that what we had encountered was something supernatural and it was holy and it was foreign to me. And what I could tell people was just that for some reason, I had been changed and I knew that I would never be the same again. Because what I stepped into, it was a life-giving atmosphere. I was met with smiles. I was met with compassion. I was met with kindness. I was met with love. I was met with encouragement. And no one knew who I was, and yet I was even invited to a small group. Shout out to Boo Crew starting up this week. If you're not in a crew, you wanna get in a crew. It makes all the difference in your life. And to be honest, that was weird to me, that moment. It was a little weird to me, but only because I had never stepped foot into a church setting that felt as alive as it did in that moment. And when you're born and raised in Miami, how many of you know that that level of friendliness is odd behavior? How sad is that? Now I share just a snippet of my story with you because for me and my journey, I don't know what paints a better picture of this value that people are our heart. 
It didn't matter to any of these people that they'd never seen me before. They didn't know the reckless life that I had been living. They didn't know my past. They didn't know my history. They didn't know my struggles. But it didn't matter because I was still met with genuine kindness. And what I came to learn is I was just met with the radical love of Jesus. The kind of love that I'd always read in the Bible, but never, never truly experienced for myself. Because prior to that church for me, it only felt transactional. Like I was checking off a box. It didn't feel transformational. So the only natural question that I can burden myself with now, day in and day out, is what if I can't serve as that kind of person for others? I mean, do I truly have a heart for people? Have I ever gotten in the way of giving someone else the opportunity to step into a life-giving community, to encounter the message of Jesus? Do my words and do my actions reflect this? I'm not perfect. I get it wrong and I know that I'm gonna continue to get it wrong, but you know what? I wanna be committed to this journey. I wanna commit my life to the progress. I wanna commit my life to doing the hard work because it's the only reasonable response to everything that I've experienced and encountered in my life. So if I can encourage anyone in this room right now, I just want you to know that there's a seat at the table for you. You are loved, you belong, and you are welcome. And I know that the world might have a lot to say, but our message will always remain clear. Our mission will never change. And it is clear as day. It's that Jesus is our message and people are our heart. So we're gonna meet people, we're gonna serve people, and we're gonna commit to people. Come on, do you believe that today? Thank you for listening to today's message. At VU, we believe we weren't meant to do life alone. We've been created with a unique purpose and designed to live in relationship with Jesus. If you've never surrendered your life to Him, we want to create an opportunity for you to do so today. If you want to say yes to Jesus, would you pray this with me? Dear Jesus, come into my life. Be the Lord of my life. I trust you with my past. I ask that you guide me in my present, and I even place my future in your hands. I'm yours, Lord, now and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. If you made the decision to follow Jesus today, we want to partner with you in the next steps of your faith journey. Go to voochurch.com slash online. We love you.